The reading is Psalm 61 and can be found on page 579 on the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. The page numbers are for those on the screen behind me. For the direct... Sorry. For the director of music with stringed instruments of David. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. For from the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in the praise of your name and fulfill my vows day by day. This is the word of the Lord. Michelle, thank you very much um, for reading that psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. Uh, do keep it open in front of you so you can look down at it throughout. Uh, it'll be really refreshing, I think, uh, for us all to be dwelling on the words uh, that the writer, the psalmist, writes. And he starts, Hear my cry, O God. Uh, listen to my prayer. This is a prayer, a plea, a, a, a cry, uh, which is a word for something urgent, Something important that you just can't help but yell out. You could almost translate it, listen to my yell. And it, it is a psalm that is a request, but it's also a psalm of trust. Maybe you noticed that as it was read. It, there's loads of confidence that this is a prayer, a plea that will be heard, that will be answered. And it's a prayer and a plea for, for safety, for security. And I guess that's really relevant right now. The data tells us people have never felt less secure, less safe. Now, now apparently, statistically, that's not actually true. We're, we're no more or less safe than previous generations have been, but we feel a lot less safe. Partly that's living in a sort of post-9-11 world where terrorism just seems that little bit closer uh, partly it's the fact that we live in a, an age of instant news. So you can scroll through your social media or whatever, and news story after news story pops up in your face telling you about some other awful thing that's happened. Knife crime on the streets, um, or, or um, uh, whatever it is. Or, or the, the stories that do the rounds of people hacking into bank details, and that worries us, doesn't it? Because that's really, we feel out of control there. What if somebody has got into my bank without me knowing about it and has taken all my money? A little bit of extra uh, security risk. Or there's the huge scale stuff, isn't there? There's stuff like um, uh, the environment and the, the, the stories that are doing the round saying what, we're that close to catastrophe. And again, that feels kind of scary and out of control. Not to mention the political scene, which I won't mention, but, you know... There's all sorts of things out there that make us feel 
unsafe. And so what a great opportunity for us in a world like that to bring that to God. That's what this psalm does. Brings feelings of insecurity and a lack of safety and says, come to God. And I've got two things I I, I want us to hear from this psalm. Uh, There's two things that the psalmist finds. And here's the first one. The psalmist finds personal safety in God. The psalmist finds personal uh, safety. So he calls out, From the ends of the earth, verse 2, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now there's a couple of very important little words. And in the original, these are emphasized. But as you read it, you might just gloss over them. From the ends of the earth I call to you. Literally, it's to you do I call. The psalmist is saying, when I feel like this, when I feel faint, when my heart is faint, when I'm feeling worried and and nervous about the future, that I'm not sure what's to come, and and I'm weary, when I'm, I'm far away from home, I'm at the ends of the earth or the end of my tether, when I just feel like I'm far away, that's when I need to go to God. It's wonderful that we worship a God who, the technical term is omnipresent. God is everywhere. And that means you don't have to come to a church building on a Sunday morning to call to God in prayer. You can do it anywhere. And that's great news, isn't it? Because even if you feel like you're at the end of the earth, even if you actually are at the end of the earth, you can call to God. You can call to him. And that's the emphatic point in verse 2. It's to you do I call. When my heart is faint. Now there are so many different places we might look to to go and find that safety and that security. You might you might look to a bank balance. Well, if I have this amount of money in savings, then I'll be secure. Or you might look to a career. Uh, lots of us I know in this room now are, are, are working hard for exams. That's good. I want you to work hard for exams. I don't want you to skive or anything like that. But but there is a danger that we find our security in that. If I just work hard enough, if I just get that 2-1, if I just get onto that grad scheme, if I just do that, then I'll be safe. Then I'll be secure. To my degree do I call from the ends of the earth to to rescue me. But that's not going to work. By the way, um, that's not a new phenomenon. Let me tell you a story. Uh, about a man who lived at the end of the 15th and the beginning of the 16th century. A man called Hans. Hans Luder. Uh, and Hans Luder was a coal miner. And coal mining is pretty dangerous work today, but you can imagine 400 odd years ago, 500 odd years ago, uh, it was even more dangerous and scary work. Now, Hans was a very strong, very tough man, uh, and so you needed to be tough to survive in that world. Uh, and he did, he survived. Uh, And he survived so well that actually he grew up to be the manager of a mine, like the foreman. um, But but like a lot of people who've worked really hard to get somewhere in a dangerous field, Hans wanted a better life for his own children. He he wanted them not to have the the risks and the the lack of security and safety that he'd had to live with every day down that mine. And so he wanted them to get a good education. And he had a very bright uh, little boy called Martin. 
And he thought, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send Martin to a good tutor, and we'll, we'll give him some um, education, and, and then he can grow up and be a lawyer. So he studied law, and he was going to go and be a lawyer. And then he'd have a nice, safe, secure job in the city, and everything would be well. And uh, Martin grows up, and he does study law. Until one day, he's riding his horse through a field, and he's caught in a thunderstorm. And the lightning is flashing all around him. And at that moment, Martin realizes his law degree is not going to keep him safe. He's thrown from his horse... And in a blind panic, he cries out, St. Anne, save me. I will become a monk. He was late medieval uh, Catholic, so they were praying to saints uh, quite a lot back then. It wasn't that stupid, though, because uh, St. Anne was the patron saint of coal miners, and his family was a coal miner. She was the patron saint of horseback riders and the patron saint of those caught in thunderstorms. So, you know, it would have made sense to him. And he cried out, St. Anne, save me, I'll become a monk. Now, at that stage, Martin had understood one thing, right. He couldn't find security in his law degree. He got that much of Psalm 61, but he hadn't got the second half yet. He, he cried out to the wrong person. St. Anne couldn't bring him safety and security. We'll come back to Martin in just a moment because he learns uh, a bit better what Psalm 61 is saying. He learns the words that that verse 2 say. It's to you do I need to call from the ends of the earth when I'm faint. And why is it God we need to call to? Well, let me read verses 2 to 4. And in verses 2 to 4, we find four delightful pictures of God that show us why he is the one to call to. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Picture one, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Picture two, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Picture three, I long to dwell in your tent forever. Picture four, and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. And those four pictures, they're all about safety. Maybe you you pick pick that up as we read. They're all about security, but each of them has a slightly different angle on it. So first, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, or or possibly too high for me. I can't get there on my own. And this is the picture of, maybe you see this in like a cartoon or a a, a, a sort of um, adventure show or something like that, when someone's running away from somebody, and then all of a sudden they they get into a place where they're out of reach of whoever's chasing them. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, lift me up to a place where I'm out of reach from my enemies, from anyone who'd come after me. Lead me to the rock that's too high, higher than me. In the Psalms, the rock is a picture of God. He is the rock, the foundation, the the sure and steady anchor. If I'm with you, God, I'm I'm out of reach of my enemies. That's picture one. Uh, Picture two, you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Uh, And this is like sort of a, a kind of Lord of the Rings thing, you know, where somebody's running away from enemies again on, on a, a horseback or something, and they, they finally ride into the castle, and then the doors are bolted shut, and all of a sudden the army's got the huge walls and towers, and, and you, we're safe. We've got a strong defense against them. So the first picture, out of reach. Uh, now this is, this is the strong tower against the Pharaoh, and God is that strong tower. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
if he is our strong tower. Picture three, I long to dwell. And the word for dwell there is to be a, a resident alien, a resident foreigner. So this isn't someone who naturally belongs in God's tent by nature and by rights. Um, it's sort of, uh, but, but, but to be a resident alien means, although you're not naturally part of it, you've been given a sort of legal status. You have some rights. And so this sort of person is, is maybe think about someone who's seeking asylum because their own country is very dangerous for them. Uh, and while they're still seeking asylum, they don't really have the legal status, the, the right to, to be in this country, say, and so that they would feel very insecure, unsafe, because they, they don't know if at the next moment the government's going to say, I'm sorry, you have to go home. But when their asylum uh, petition comes up and they are granted the right to stay, you can imagine, can't you, what safety, what security, and, and new security they would feel in their status. Well, I long to dwell, Lord, in your tent forever. I, I want to become a resident alien of, of your people. I, I know I don't belong there by rights. I know naturally I'm not holy and you are holy and therefore I don't really belong in your tent. But will you grant me the legal status to be there with you so that I might be safe? And then the fourth picture, I, I, I long to take refuge in the shelter of your wings. And this is like a picture of sort of a, like a mother bird almost, putting her wings around her young to protect them from the storms, from, from the elements, from the things, from predators. And this is like the personal dimension of safety. It's not just a strong tower. It's not just been put in a safe place. Uh, you've got a caring, loving, tender God who shelters you under his wings. Four pictures, four different angles on safety and protection. And the psalmist says, if I look to you, God, I know you can provide all those things. And you might have noticed that we do a bit of tense hopping. So sometimes he seems to be speaking in the past, sometimes the present, sometimes the future. And the point is, wherever we are, as we look back, he encourages us to see where God has been this safety for us. Or wherever we are right now, he encourages us to go to God and find our safety in him. And wherever we are in the future, whatever our plans are for the future, he, he encourages us to give them over to God. Past, present, future. Do you see that this is the God who is sufficient to make you safe in every trial and every situation? Now, there are studies that, that say uh, the, there's truth to this, this in the here and now. That actually those who uh, put their confidence and trust in God, those who have a, a deep spirituality, a deep, a deep sense of a personal relationship with God. Um, Baylor University did a study to say that those, those people have secure support and foundations that help them deal with uh, anxieties, stresses, strains. It doesn't mean they don't suffer from those things. That can come to a Christian as much as anyone else. But the studies show that actually it is a, a benefit in the short term, in the here and now, that if you, if you know this God and you're crying out to him, he comforts you. I, I guess many people here who maybe have struggled with anxiety can tell that story, that actually when they go to God and find their rest in him, they do feel his loving presence. And it is a great comfort and calm. That doesn't mean to say you're not going to feel stressed and anxious at times. But there is truth in this psalm that, that many people can echo. 
And David, who, who wrote the psalm according to the, the title, the heading, he knew this too. Verse 5, for, God, you, for you, God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear uh, your name. David is confident that God answers him. He's been told, he's been promised by God, he is, he is to be king, and he's going to have a kingdom that's going to last forever. His descendants will sit on the throne forever. And he knows God so personally, so deeply, and he trusts his promises so much that, that he finds rest and comfort in them. In Psalm 3, um, when he's being pursued by his own son, who wants to kill him, Absalom, uh, he says, uh, he, he turns to God, and he says, I can lie down and sleep. And I know I'll wake up again because you sustain me. I trust you've got your hand over me. And the psalm says, take your fears, take your anxieties, your worries to God. So that like David, when you get to know God deeply, you can learn to rest in his safety. When you get to know God deeply, you can rest in his safety. Like I say, I think there's good evidence, and many people can tell the story of how that's been true for them in their lives. But if we just change the key and look into an eternal dimension for a moment, how much more true are these pictures of personal safety? We're about to celebrate Ascension Sunday, Ascension, Ascension Day, sorry, on Thursday, not Sunday. Um, and the Ascension is an amazing moment where Jesus is taken up into the heavenly realms and seated on his father's throne. And Psalm 2, which talks about God's king being completely safe and secure, that's fulfilled when Jesus ascends and he sits, sat on the throne of heaven. And the amazing thing the Bible says is if we trust in Jesus, he, he says he, will raise, he raises us up to be with him in those places. You want to be out of reach of your enemies? Where, where better to go than with the eternal king of kings sitting on his throne? That throne is also called Mount Zion, the, the city of God. It's a strong tower. If you read the pictures of it in Revelation, the walls are made of diamonds. You're not going to knock them down. You want a strong tower that will keep you safe from your enemies? Where better to go than Jesus? He promises you that eternal city. He promises you the right to dwell. Even though by rights, by nature, our sinful nature should shut us out of God's presence. Jesus said, don't worry, I'll give you my righteousness. I'll cover you. So that though you don't deserve to be a citizen of God's kingdom, he'll make you one. You'll have some legal standing to be with God's people. And I will protect you, says Jesus. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Eternally speaking, if you trust in Jesus, you are personally secure and safe from any enemy that might come after you. Sin, death, hell, Jesus says, I've got them, don't worry. Come to me and I will keep you safe from them. Finding personal safety. And that's why I encourage you to, to, to take those anxieties, take those fears and worries to, to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he is sufficient to keep us safe. When you dwell in God deeply, if you know God deeply, you can rest in his safety. But then, and, and let's be honest, if we were reading it carefully, verse 6 just seems to come out of the blue, doesn't it? 
here we are, we're talking about somebody who's trying to find their rest, their safety in God, and all of a sudden, increase the days of the king's life. And you're thinking, where did that come from? Well, the second thing I want to say, and this is briefer, uh, not only finding personal safety in God, but finding political safety in God. See, David knows, there's a bit of debate, is David praying this prayer before his king or after his king? Is it really him praying for himself again? Is it really, you know, no no one's quite sure when and where the psalm was written, so we can't ever answer that question. But if you look at um, the end of verse 6, that he he wants his his years increased for many generations, Uh, he may be enthroned in God's presence forever, I take it that David is not really thinking about himself. I think he's looking forward to the promises God has made him. That there will be a king to come. The one who really belongs on the throne. And David is saying, make that king great and secure and established. Because David knows that that actually for him to be safe, it's not enough just to be personally safe from individuals who might attack him. We're part of a world. And some things happen that are just too big and beyond our control. I was reading, you know, you, you probably heard about the British Steel uh, factory this, this week. And 5,000 people at British Steel lost their jobs. But, but 20,000 people in other industries, apparently, uh, jobs are under threat. Uh, it's got nothing to do with them working for British Steel. Some things happen that are just too big and, and out of control. Uh, and even though we might live wisely, even though we might go to God, uh, you know, there's a whole world out there. And we get affected by it. And so David realizes that if there's going to be true and lasting safety and security, it's not just enough for him to be safe. He needs a government who will keep him safe. He needs a king who will reign with love and faithfulness. A king who knows God's love and faithfulness and wants to show that to the world around. It's got to be bigger than just David. Of course, our personal safety is tied up with the safety of the whole world. And so we need, we cry out for, we long for a good and perfect government established in love and faithfulness. The word for love there is, is the word chesed, Hebrew word, which means loving kindness steadfast faithfulness. It's God's own personal covenant love. It's his promise-making, promise-keeping love. The the God who makes his manifesto promises and then keeps them. And David is saying, God, give us a king like that. Give us a king who will reign forever, in verse 7, enthroned in your presence forever. A a king of love and faithfulness, who knows your love and faithfulness. A king we can completely trust to govern not just my life, but, but everyone's. Who can keep not just me safe, but can keep the world safe. Some of the problems we're facing in this world are so big that even one government can't solve them. Uh, there are some problems that we're trying to come together as a group of different nations to solve, and even that doesn't seem to always be working. <laughs> Praise God. He's given us a king in Jesus who has ascended, who rules and reigns 
in heaven now. He has given us a king that he is enthroned in his presence forever. That's who Jesus is. That's why we're excited by Jesus. It's not just he'll make me safe, he'll save me and take me to heaven. He'll do that, and that's brilliant. But Jesus promises to create a new world of perfect peace, perfect love, perfect safety for all. Can I say, no other king, no other government is worthy of your wholehearted allegiance. Even if they tried to promise something this big, they'd never be able to keep it, but Jesus can. So I don't know, in in this room today, I guess there are a few folk here who who maybe aren't really sure whether they, they want Jesus to be their king. But he's the only king who can provide you with this. For all eternity, perfect peace, perfect safety. If you've understood it, then verse 8 is a great application, isn't it? (laughs) Then I will ever sing sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Thank you, God, for giving us a king like Jesus. We praise you, God, for giving us a king like Jesus. And as we cry out in praise and see what a wonderful thing it is to have a king like that, well, my hope and prayer for me and for all of you is, we'd realize then the obvious thing is, let's live our lives for that king. Let's live our lives for his kingdom. Let's make him our priority. Let's make his people our priority. Because nowhere else will we find true and lasting safety and security. Uh, Just think, if you realize that that Jesus can keep you safe and and money can't, well, what does that do to the way you think about money? Well, money's just money now. And actually, you can use it to help more people hear about this kink. Uh, What do you do if you realize Jesus can keep you safe, but but my grades or, or my job can't? Well, your degree and your job just become your degree and your job. You can think about them and put them in the right perspective. You can work hard there and do them well for Jesus' sake without letting them take over your life. So many ways this might work itself out in our lives, but but let's just finish here. And remember again, this God, I'll say verse 8 again. Remember what we've learned about this God who in, in all sorts of ways provides safety, those four pictures. And this God who does even more than that and gives us a king to create a safe and secure world. Just think about those things. Personal safety, political safety. Let's just dwell on them for 15 seconds in silence. Maybe just pick a verse. And having done that, just hear these words of verse 8. And make this prayer your prayer. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Let's pray.
right, just before we pray. I realize I didn't tell you the end of the story. Martin <laughs> grew up, and he did become a monk. And later on, he, he learned what it was to find his full safety and security in God. He said this, faith is a daring confidence in God's grace. So certain, you could stake your life on it 1,000 times. I held many things in my hands and lost them all. But whatever I placed in God's hands, that I still possess. That was Martin Luther, who found a, a God of grace. Found the God of Psalm 61 and knew he was safe with him. Let's pray to that God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are the rock who is higher than we are. You are a refuge. You are a secure and safe dwelling. You are the one who shelters us in your wings. And you've given us a glorious, wonderful, eternal king. And so we pray we would delight in those truths and respond rightly, singing in praise of your name, and fulfilling our vows, living out our lives as your people in response. And we pray these things for the glory of our wonderful King Jesus. Amen.